Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? The Morning After podcast is back. Why? Because Moon Knight just dropped on Disney+. And I'm super excited to talk about it with all of you guys. Again, the Morning After Spoiler Podcast is a special podcast that appears every time there's a major show that drops. And usually that's around the Disney Plus uh, streaming service. So that's either going to be a Marvel series or something Star Wars related, right? But that doesn't mean that I won't talk about anything else. Uh, if there's another big show that uh, drops from within the fandom, then I will definitely talk about it. But right now, it is all about Moon Knight. So really happy to be back. Glad to have all of you join me back again on this special um, podcast here. And uh, again, if you are interested to hear every week about what I talk about when it comes to these shows, don't forget to subscribe to the channel, uh, like that button, smash it, hit it, give it a great uppercut. You know, it really helps the channel and supports the channel. Uh, it goes a very long way. And if you're looking for an audio format of this episode, you can find it on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify. Just look for the Low Key Geek channel there and you will find these episodes and you could easily download them there. So really excited to talk about this new Marvel show um it's one of those shows that um I think it's it's new it's gonna feel really new because it's uh the first time we're being introduced to a brand new character that has not already been previously introduced to us in any Marvel movie um I know that we were introduced to Kate Bishop in the last Hawkeye series um but still that you know, that show was centered around Hawkeye, right? Someone that we're already familiar with. This is the first time now on during the Disney Plus era of Marvel shows that we are really, truly introduced to a main character that has not been introduced in the past. And with Oscar Isaac, you know, the great actor and talent that he is um, fulfilling this role, it's going to be very, very exciting to see how this show progresses and how the character progresses progresses there. So um, before I get into spoilers and stuff like that, I just want to talk about briefly my initial thoughts of the episode. This was definitely a good setup episode. It sets the tone. It sets the pacing of what we're expected to see. It really introduces us well to the character uh, that I, Oscar Isaac is playing. Uh, we meet him first as Stephen Grant. Later on, we find out that there's something going on more within Stephen Grant that he is not even aware of um, but we really get to see the full persona of Steven and you know how he lives his day to day and everything like that and the struggles that he's going with um, we uh, get into some action immediately within the episode and it's refreshing in a way because now with like all the Netflix Marvel shows uh, on Disney Plus and the new parental control ratings that are implemented there, you know, the TVMAs and all that. This show is really trying to push the boundaries on how far it can go within the TV 14 rating. 
Um, it's still available for everyone to watch. It's not considered to be TVMA, but there's a good amount of like violence in this in this uh, episode. You know, we see a good amount of blood, uh, a good amount of fighting. We don't actually see the moments that you know maybe someone gets hit or hurt or shot or what have you but we definitely see the aftermath and it's pretty pretty bloody and it can be very very off-putting for younger viewers i think um which is very interesting too because uh this week we just found out that disney plus is starting to censor some older marvel shows you know for example uh captain america and the winter soldier there have been some scenes that have already been altered to kind of remove a lot of the bloody scenes um not all of it but certain scenes that may be deemed a little bit too much for a tv 14 rating here in the u.s uh which is really interesting and it kind of makes a little bit of sense because they didn't have TVMA that option before and I think they were really again trying to see how far they can push their boundaries of what they can let go and now that they do have that uh, ability to have this adult mature rating available on the platform they want to make sure that I think all the previous episodes adhere more to their uh, proposed rating which is a TV 14 for a more broader audience right not saying I think it's right what they're doing. It always sucks when they have to go back and alter something. Um, and not that it affects the plot of any episode, but for anyone who you know enjoyed those episodes in the past, um, I do think it kind of sucks if you were to go back and rewatch and, and then you realize, wait a minute, this is not how I remember it, right? But we'll see what happens with Moon Knight itself. But like I said, in this first episode, you do see... A good amount of blood and violence in there but you know overall i really enjoyed this episode uh i thought in the beginning with the quirkiness and you know the kind of uh persona that steven has um the way that oscar isaac portrays him um i thought it was gonna get a little bit too tiring right away like too comical too comic-y right you know with his little um like kind of squeamish like little uh voice and the way he, he's like very mousy right and yeah you 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 get the sense very early on that he's definitely uh a loner a little awkward and he doesn't really get along with a lot of people and most people don't even really want to acknowledge him for the most part um but i think that's obviously going to later change along down the line the more maybe confidence he gets the more maybe he gets tied into the inner stuff that's happening within within him that he's trying he's slowly learning to find out that there is something more than what he thinks is happening to him um but i really enjoyed this first episode like i said it's a good setup episode um and and it really sets the tone we get to see ethan hawk's uh character he portrays uh, a character called dr arthur harrow um very tight it looks like he's like the leader of a, a cult in a way uh, but you could tell it it definitely ties into a lot of the more supernatural aspects of the universe and this is definitely the foray for Marvel to go into the supernatural now you know now that we're dealing with Moon Knight and um, and Arthur here uh, with what they're doing with all the Egyptian lore and everything like that uh, it's really really fun and exciting to see and, and open this doorway into what will you know eventually lead into uh, characters like Blade you know and um, you know Black Knight 
you know, that we were introduced to at the end of the Eternals and things like that. So really, really, really fun stuff. Um, uh, no other kind of major reveals happened within this episode with the exception of just what is going on within Steve, uh, within Steven, you know, that, you know, for those of you who do know the Moon Knight character, uh, it's a very interesting um, uh, character where he deals with kind of like multiple personalities, right? Um, and you get to see him realize that there is something more to what's going on. And um, I will get into more details about how they did that in the spoiler version of this episode. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, it, does, it definitely, you know, it, it feels like a Marvel show, but I do feel like it's good, it's pushing the envelope a little bit further here. And uh, like I said, it is refreshing to be introduced to something very brand new, um, something that we have not been a part of within the whole MCU and Marvel Universe as of yet. Um, with the previous shows, uh, like I said, let's let's run down the list here. You know, WandaVision, we're already familiar with Wanda and Vision and, you know, seeing their journeys. It wasn't like really anything new, but, we, you know, yes, we were introduced to some minor characters that may potentially play bigger roles later on down the lines. But we're already familiar with that story and it's picking up from the events that happened within the Avengers movies, right? Then, you know, you had Captain America and Winter Soldier. Again, two characters that we are really familiar with. And them, too, are picking things up from the events of what happened in the past movies. You know, then you got Loki, same situation. You know, him going through what he's going through there. Um, then you had... Um, I'm trying to think who, what else. There's so many Marvel shows that come out. You know, I mean, what if is really like a one-off you know it, it's something that um you know it's new but it was also something that well is this really going to be canon or not uh, maybe this was just like a fun little getaway and all that um and then of course like hawkeye like i said we're dealing with the aftermath of what happened in the avengers movies and we do get introduced to kate bishop um you know which is uh refreshing in itself but still it's revolving around the lore of hawkeye and him going through his Ronin phase and all that stuff like that. So it's stuff that we are picking the story back up from what was previously introduced to us in the past. With Moon Knight, this is fresh, brand new, fresh. We're diving into a whole new realm of the MCU. And uh, we are going to be learning things uh, episode by episode, right? So it, it, that's why I think it's really exciting. And it's going to be really different. Um, we're still not sure where Moon Knight is going to tie into the rest of the universe? Or is this something where they're going to try to keep a little bit separate and out of the main MCU uh, core uh, you know, universe? And when I say that, I'm referring to like, um, you know, Doctor Strange and Wanda and, you know, Captain Marvel and all that stuff, you know. Um, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Like, I feel like that's the main core group right there. Your Ant-Man and whatever. Um, this could be the start of something separate. Um, you know, just like in the comics, you know, you had your Marvel Knights run where it, it dealt mostly with the supernatural, really. 
and it was like a more darker tone. So with Moon Knight being the first to be introduced here, then, like I said, it could lead into Blade and um, you know, whoever else, Werewolf by Night, I think they're working on something like that. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with this part of the universe. So yeah, let me know in the comments your initial thoughts of this first episode. Um, not a whole lot of reveals, but we got a good sense of like, who uh, Dr. Arthur Harrow is and what he's involved in, right? Still a lot of mystery there, but we get a good sense of that type of character. Uh, Steven, of course, we are seeing what he's going through and everything like that. But that's it. Those are really the two main characters that we saw in this episode, but we are already starting to get the feeling of what they might be going through and how they're going to play a, a specific role within this uh, series. Uh, yeah, so let me know what you think about it in the comments um, and, uh, you know, what you think of the overall episode. Hey, guys and gals, looking for the latest and greatest in collectibles and pop culture merchandise? Well, have I got the perfect destination for all of you. For example, want an awesome Moon Knight collectible before anybody else? Pre-order this great Moon Knight statue now from Entertainment Earth. Entertainment Earth is the premier place online for the latest and greatest toys, the most exciting action figures, and the coolest gifts and collectibles pop culture has to offer. From television, movies, sports, collectibles, comics, internet memes, and every fandom in between. They drop new products daily and curate their selection so you don't miss out whether you're looking for something stellar from a galaxy far far away with star wars or from the streets of gotham city with dc Comics, they've got surprises for everyone get access to exclusive releases and limited run pre-orders you can even reserve hard to find items before they arrive from funko to hasbro all your favorite vendors are represented in their robust catalog of cool collectibles they are pleased to offer risk-free shopping with their industry-leading mint condition guarantee and hassle-free 90-day returns Entertainment Earth has been making pop culture fans happy for 25 years now and have no signs of slowing down. What's great is that for U.S. shoppers, they're currently offering free shipping for any orders placed above $49. Not in the U.S.? Don't worry! Entertainment Earth ships globally. Visit the special link in the description of this episode to take advantage of this offer and buy yourself or a loved one something really cool. Entertainment Earth. So many toys. So much fun. Um, I'm going to go now into some spoiler talk. So be forewarned, if you haven't watched this episode yet, then please bookmark, save this video for later, uh, save this episode. Uh, whole episode to, and come back to it after you watch the episode so that you know you could feel like you're not going to get spoiled with anything obviously and we can talk more freely and have a bigger better conversation about the episode as a whole so what i really like the way this episode started was um we really get to see immediately um arthur right and you know, he's a very unique individual and it looks like some he puts himself through a lot of pain um, to see how much he can endure and all that. And uh, that's why you get that sense of like, is this guy uh, really supernatural? Uh, what is he? What is his overall motives? Is this it's it just feels very cultish. Right. And you see that later on in the episode with all of his following. And, you know, he has like this following in this village. 
as he's judging people, you know, about their purity and how good they are. And if they pass the test, then they live a good life and they get to live to see what that group has in store for humanity. And if they're not pure, well, you're not worthy enough to live on, to experience everything that we're working on. So peace out. You're dead. Get out of here. Right. Poor old lady had no chance. You know, like she just was out just like that after she was judged. Um, but, you know, I did some digging here because obviously I want to know a little bit more because full disclosure here, like I am not 100 percent familiar with Moon Knight in the comic books. So I'm going through this episode just like a lot of you guys and girls who maybe are not as familiar with Moon Knight. And I'm learning a lot about it as I'm watching the show. And of course, it leads to some, you know, research and looking up things online and everything like that. So uh, I did some digging on uh, Marvel's website. And I want to share some of this stuff with you guys so that you know a little bit more about uh, some of the characters. So, for example, Dr. Arthur Harrow. Uh, he is described as seeing humans as healthy specimens to experiment upon and cure his painful paralysis. Dr. Arthur Harrow stops at nothing to be free of his suffering. Um, it later on goes down to say that uh, the genius scientist and surgeon Dr. Arthur Harrow performs unscrupulous surgeries on unwilling patients in order to cure himself of his painful paralysis. So it's really interesting here that in the comics, um, apparently he is... Um, paralyzed right um, and uh, you know he he goes through these experiments to try to figure out how he can um, better improve on his own self right and he experienced on humans and all that but that's not how he's so far perceived in the show he's walking about but he does have a cane so maybe the things that he is doing is um, working to a certain extent, right? You know, the judging of the people, the, those who are unpure, is he sucking the souls from them and then ingesting it into himself to make his body more better and more manageable, right? Um, so it's really interesting to see how that will play out um, based on how it is in the comic books. But, you know, the whole opening intro, the cold open there um, was really, really well done and it already sets the tone there. Then we get we fast forward and we see Steven and he wakes up in bed and you already see that this guy has lived quite a life, right? He shackles himself up to his bed and uh, you can he has this whole contraction where it's like he got the shackles, he has sand around his bed and he has the tape on the door. So your first instinct is that, wow, this guy probably has a bad sleepwalking disorder, right? So he probably like sleepwalks at night, goes out, gets himself into some sort of mischief or trouble, and he wakes up somewhere in a ditch or whatever the case is, right? So he's trying his best to avoid that. Um, then after going through all his morning routine, he calls his mom, who looks like she's like a, a traveler, and she's he's leaving him a voice message. He has a cute little goldfish that he feeds, and he's getting himself ready for work. You could tell he's kind of like a, like a mess. You know, he's like not all put together that great. So he's like rushing for the bus, and he's constantly late to work. He's falling asleep on the bus and being a nuisance to people around him. And then when he shows up at work, he's totally not respected there, right? And especially from his boss. Uh, and I think her character is really quite fascinating. Um, 
you know, and they have such a great back and forth um, with them with themselves there. Um, you know, he's uh, obviously he's been late a lot to work, and you know now he has inventory duty that's scheduled for him. And but you could tell like he he aspires to want to be more, right? So he has that intelligence. He obviously loves Egyptian lore and history and everything. And he you see this really cute scene with a a younger visitor of the museum where he works at and you know he's giving her like kind of like a brief history of like how they mummify people and and how they put them in the sarcophaguses and all that stuff like that um and then you know he's yanked away because he has his duties at the gift shop um but then you have that interesting scene with one of the tour guides where apparently there was a date set up that he is not aware of um, so this is all pretty new to him. So already in that one instant, you get a sense of, wait a minute, you know, is his other persona possibly interfering with his day to day already that things like that is happening without his knowledge? Right. So really, really cool things. And again, you're getting a sense of the struggle that Stephen is dealing with. Right. And, you know, as he's leaving the museum, um, Again, the, the security guard doesn't even really know his real name. And, you know, you could kind of see he's like bummed out. He's like, you know, I, I just want to have friends. I just want to be, a, a, you know, get along with people. I just want people to recognize me and all that. Um, he con- if, you know, cons- uh, consoles with a street performer. He talks about, you know, his dating life or what would potentially be his dating life and you know i guess he talks to this guy with about all of his troubles and his family or whatever you could sense that this is a daily or weekly routine that he goes through and this is probably the only friend he has in you know in life right now which is pretty sad you know i will say that for the steven character alone i do feel sorry for him because he is this kind of like awkward dude and you know he's bumbling around and you know just trying to make a name for himself or at least just try and get along with people and it looks like that's a struggle for him right so you know he calls in a night he goes back to bed you know during doing his usual thing but you can also sense that He's trying his best to stay awake because he's afraid. He's afraid of what will happen if he sleepwalks again. At least that is what we are to believe. He eventually does fall asleep and then he wakes up in the Alps somewhere. And apparently he already got himself in some trouble. His jaws not aligned right. He's kind of bloody in the mouth. And you have him, you have like these merc- like these army dudes or these guards chasing him, right? And he's running around in town and doing all that stuff like that. And then he finds himself in this square where we see Dr. Arthur, you know, marching in, assumingly coming from that place where we saw him um, come from in the beginning of the episode Um, and doing his usual, I guess, cult like routine where he starts judging people in the square to see who's worthy to stick around. Um, And that's where we see like one person. Uh, is pure and clean and is able to live on and the poor old lady did not soul gets sucked out and she passes away right um and then you know the guards come over and they say oh you know we had a problem with some sort of exchange and all that stuff like that and then that's when they find that poor steven is hanging out in the group of people and he has in his possession this scarab that apparently he stole 
from them. It's still not sure and clear as to how he came uh, across this possession of this thing. But he's had, he has his voice in his head telling him, you know, like, oh, no, the dweeb is back. Oh, no, you know, this poor sap, you know, uh, let um, uh, let Mark take back uh, control. And he's like, oh, excuse me? He's like, I don't know what's going on and all that. So apparently this scarab is something that belongs to Arthur, right? So he's asking for it back. And this is one of the bits of comedy within this episode that I really don't mind because I feel like it kind of fits um, where, you know, Stephen wants to give it back because he doesn't want any trouble. But whatever's controlling him inside obviously doesn't want him to give it up. So they go through this whole like charade of like, you know, here you go. Nope, not going to do it. And, you know, he's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not controlling. And uh, the acting from Oscar is so good in this scene, you know, because, again, you're, you're believing that this bumbling fool of a guy is is not in control of anything. And he have something inner within him that's taking full control and ownership of the situation. Right. So. Eventually, the guards take control of him and bring him somewhere, and they're really trying to take the scarab out, and they get it, and then flash. The way that they manage the kind of shifting of him passing out, blacking out, and then snapping back into reality as Steven. So we're seeing it through the eyes of Steven right now. And then he comes to, like, I really love how they do that. It's like, you know... You know how they always have like those epilepsy warnings in front of video games or movies when they say like, oh, this thing contains too much flashing lights and you may cause seizures. Uh, they should probably have that same warning here because I feel like those quick flashes in between consciousnesses, it, it could affect someone with that type of issue. Right. But when he snaps back in and this is what I talk about when I talk about the violence, he's around it. Everyone is bloody on the floor around him. So he whoever took over wiped everyone around him out and he's holding the scarab all bloody handed and everything like that and he's like oh i don't know what the hell happened but i need to get the hell out of here right so he commandeers like a cupcake truck and they, then they do this really really awesome uh uh car chase scene you know and the music by the way the music in this episode was great so now you have Wham playing during this whole um, portion of the episode, you know, Wake Me Up and all that. Um, and they're going through like the Alps and all the curves and twists and all that. And you have these guys that are really chasing him down. And again, one of them board the truck and, you know, is about to like knock him out. And then he goes through that same flash again. And then you see the guy in the back obviously with a bullet hole in his head blood streaming down and he flies out of the truck right so this is what i'm talking about the violence portion of the episode um they're really really pushing the boundaries um and then you know they're still chasing and then he he flashes again and he finds out that he's driving backwards and all this stuff and you know just when he thought he was in the in the clear he gets you know surrounded by these guards and then only for them to get wiped out by a bunch of logs again we don't know how any of that happened because he flashes out again and wakes up in bed and for him steven he now thinks this was all a dream 
You know, he used to read Word Up magazine. Um, so he he wakes up in bed. He's like, oh, this was just a dream. Yeah. So he unshackles himself. He checks the sand. Oh, nothing happened there. Uh, the tape is still fully secured on the door. So he's like, whatever. Has his breakfast. Talks to his fish. Wait a minute. What's up with the fish? He finds out that, whoa, the goldfish. Now, significance of the goldfish was that his fish uh, had one uh, bum fin. Kind of like, you know, Finding Nemo, right? Now he looks and he has two fully grown fins. He's like, wait a minute. Something's really fucked up here, right? Goes to the pet shop and she's like look we don't carry or sell any deformed fish here we already told you this yesterday and he's like wait a minute i wasn't here yesterday and then they go through this back and forth and he looks at the times like oh no i got that date with that tour guide i gotta go goes she doesn't show up calls her up it's like hey you idiot you know why are you calling me now i already had dinner by myself thanks to you by the way it's sunday He's like, no, it's not. It's Friday. We have a day tonight, you know? And I know like, you dumb tool. It's Sunday. It's like, Sunday? So apparently it sounds like he has lost two full days, um, you know, just unknownst, un unbeknownst to him, right? So he, of course he's like wondering like, what the hell is happening, right? First of all, he missed out on this awesome date with this good-looking tour guide, you know, and he was hoping to have a relationship and all this stuff like that. Now he has a new fish or something happened to his fish there and he has no idea what's happening, right? So he goes back home and I love this scene where he notices something's amiss, right? And he notices that there's some scratches on the floor and it looks like the table is used to kind of... Um, you know, levitate him so that he can go ahead and climb up and go into the sequin compartment where he finds a cell phone and a key. And he's looking through the cell phone. He's like, what is this? And there's only like two numbers, right? And he gets a call from one of the numbers. I believe the name was Layla. Right? And, and she's screaming at him. She's like, where have you been? You've been missing for several months and you don't dare return my calls and da, 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 da. And all that craziness. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. What? I don't know what's happening here. All right? So he's freaking out and all that stuff. Um, and he's trying his best to kind of get some sort of senses to, to it all. And, you know, he runs out. And he starts seeing images. He starts seeing, first of all, he sees, he hears another voice. And then he sees a reflection in the mirror of, of someone talking to him, which looks like it's himself, right? And, you know, now we're starting to really get the sense of this other personality that's within him that's trying to get out. You know, kind of like almost like a Hulk situation where you always had Bruce Banner and you had the Hulk. And the Hulk hated Bruce. The Hulk wanted Bruce out of the picture. And it's like, let me take over, you know, puny human and all that stuff like that. Um, but obviously there's something even more at play here. Why the importance that, you know, this inner person wants to take over. So he's trying to get a sense of what's going on and all that. And then he hears the other voice. You know, the other voice that's like ragging on him is like, why don't you just let this Mark take over? 
you know, and it's like he sees an image of what looks like something Egyptian, right? Um, and, it, you know, this bird-like creature that is, like, trying to grab him and haunt him and all that stuff like that. And as he sees this image, he snaps back again to another reality. He's back on the bus, right? Going to work, apparently. Now, I think before we continue, we should talk about what this image is and who this big being is that's talking to him that's really trying to take over. So um, the name wasn't really fully mentioned in the episode. But again, if you do some research, you know that this is Khonshu. So let me pull this up right here. So Khonshu, and then again, this is the lore from within comics, right? So Khonshu is a nocturnal god of the moon, god of vengeance, and the shepherd to uh, the shepherd of to the lost. He was described as the greatest god of the great gods. He represented the moon, a universal symbol for the redemptive power of insubordination, femininity, and sensitivity. He was a uh, protector of travelers in the night and guardian of travelers through time. He was a member of the um, Helip, um, Heliopolitan race of gods who lived in the extra-dimensional realm of celestial uh, Heliopolis, uh, adjacent to Earth and was worshipped by the people of ancient Egypt. Um, not being able to enter the earthly plane, uh, so throughout history he would pick champions who would work as an avatar and be guided by his will. The lone warrior would then be called Moon Knight. So this is the, I guess you could call the the Egyptian god, soul, whatever you want to call it, that gives Moon Knight his powers. He picks this champion that is like an earthly representative and this is the person that is deemed as Moon Knight and he does what he does, right? So that is basically what this creature is and what the significance and importance it is within the Moon Knight story. Um, and I believe what's happening here is that since Stephen has multiple personalities, he, uh, as Stephen, and then you have Mark, Mark Spector, who's this other personality, who for all intents and purposes looks like he's like a mercenary. This was the persona that Khonshu chose to be the representative of Moon Knight. And I feel like that's all gonna that all comes into play towards the end of the episode. But it's also good to understand the importance of who this being is and how he's gonna play with in the storyline. Um, it goes on to go on to more background and story about Khonshu and his significance in ancient Egypt and how he, you know, kind of picked Moon Knights across time and everything like that. So if you want to check it out, you know, go to marvel.fandom.com, do a search for Khonshu and you could find the full story there. Or, you know, there's videos on YouTube right now that will, you know, dive deeper into the Khonshu lore and tell you the story of Khonshu. But for all intents and purposes, that is the, that is what Kanchu is within this story, right? So, um, and, you know, like like I said, we see it in the episode where, you know, he's being chased down by this being, right? And that is Kanchu. And that's why Kanchu is chasing him down because Kanchu wants Mark back. He doesn't want this bumbling idiot Steven, you know, taking over the body, right? So, 
so like I said, Stephen wakes up and he's going back to work and he's freaking out because he feels like he's being chased by not only Kanchu, but also on the bus as he's leaving, he sees that for somehow or some reason he's being followed by Arthur. Arthur sees him on the bus and he sees Arthur on the bus. And he's like, oh, no, that's the dude from the Alps who's following me. So my dream, that wasn't a dream. This is real. So he goes back to the museum and, you know, he notices that the guy is in the museum waiting for him. Uh, he's, he's telling people like, oh, I'm being followed. Help me out. But, you know, of course, no one's paying him any mind because he's this bumbling idiot. Right. So he finally gets uh, confronted with um, with Arthur here. And I like this little exchange because you get more of the story, more of the background as to why that scarab is important. You know what Arthur is really trying to do, or somewhat try to do overall, right? And and why he wants Stephen to, why he may be trying to help Stephen because he thinks he recognizes what's happening within him. You know, he mentions that you know the voices must be hard to deal with and all that. Uh, you know, I'm trying to help you. He at that point even tries to judge him. Now I'm I'm thinking he might have done that because he he's so curious about what is in in Stephen that he wants it for himself. But as he's doing that, he finds out that wait a minute, he, this guy can't be judged. There's too much chaos in him, right? And I think even more so, he realizes what's going on there, right? Um, so during their exchange, they do talk about Amit because. He says that, you know, the scarab that you possess doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Amit. Do you know who Amit is? And Stephen, of course, with his knowledge of Egyptian uh, lore and history, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Amit, one of the Egyptian gods, you know, the first boogeyman on Earth uh, or a boogeyman ever reported and all that stuff like that. So, again, I, I did some additional research and I wanted to pull that up real quick. So, again, this is according to the comics, Amit. The Sphinx Amit serves the Egyptian goddess Ma'at, uh, asking riddles of sinners and devouring them if they fail to answer correctly. Uh, it goes on to say, as a servant of the Egyptian goddess Ma'at, the Sphinx Amit crosses between the elements, going everywhere without a home at her master's orders. In the underworld, she is the devourer of the dead and keen on asking riddles when summoned. If answered correctly, she helps the victor. If not, she devours their heart um, so in and uh, it also mentions here that um, Amit is shape shifting so when transformed into her animal form Amit can be all crocodile or an amalgam of animals including crocodile head lion's mane and paws leopard spots and hippo hind uh, all this kind of stuff like that right so so Amit is uh, uh, you know this big big figure that you know obviously works alongside the goddesses there and could potentially be a big character within this series and if arthur is honed in on that then it's a uh, potential that we will see amit maybe even show up uh, in some sort of form right so, again, really, really interesting stuff there. But we learn about that. And it sounds like Arthur kind of like worships Amit, right? And kind of like, you know, looks after him. So 
during their exchange, you know, things are happening. You know, he, you know, Arthur is around, uh, not Arthur. Um, Stephen is surrounded by all his minions that apparently either work in the museum or are pretending to be tourists, right, and all that. So again, this cult following expands and uh, is really, really present around him. But you know, the lights flash and Arthur manages to escape and everything like that. So we fast forward. It's already night. And, you know, guess what? Steven has inventory duty, right? So he's doing his inventory and all that stuff. And then he starts hearing noises and he, you know, is tracking down the noises and all that. And uh, this weird uh, Egyptian looking beast is roaming around the museum and hunting him so to speak right now the one thing i love about this sequence is that um during certain scenes where you see the reflection you see steven walking around but you see the reflection of mark as he's like trying to look around and figure things out and he just he just really wants to take control again right and you've seen that throughout the episodes in certain scenes where you just see mark just like looking back at steven just like God, I wish I could get back my body and all that. So eventually, um, you know, the the beast hunts him down and he's running away. You know, he's hearing the voices in his head again and he locks himself in this bathroom. And then there's this awesome exchange between him and his reflection. It's Mark talking to Stephen through the mirrors, right? And basically, Stephen is scared out of his mind. And you see Mark just be like, look. You yourself cannot do anything here. Let me manage it. Let me take control and I will handle it, right? Like, I got this because you alone can't do this, right? But of course, Stephen is, you know, very reluctant. He's confused and what have you. But I love that he finally gave in and you see the transformation happening as he's letting himself go. You see, you know, the the robes forming around him and then the beast busts through the, the 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 bathroom and we don't really see immediately what happens but we see the aftermath and that's when we finally get to see the full moon knight persona um present beating the living crap out of this beast and walking out and end of episode right there so again a lot of it has to do with how you interpret the episode right and again, if you, I've watched it twice. Like I said, I did some quick research online just to understand some of these characters and see where they're coming from or how, what their involvement in is with everything and all that. But it is a lot of fun already, this first episode. And I really cannot wait for them to explain more to the audience as to what's happening here between the Steven character and the Mark Spector character that's sharing this one body. And then you have uh, Khonshu uh, really, really um, trying to hone in on this celest on this, you know, human body to do what he's got to do uh, on Earth. Right. And then what is Arthur's role in all of this? Like how much further is the the battle between the both of them gonna go or is there a potential that maybe they team up we don't know right but i love how the episode played out again that last bit where he's talking to himself in the mirror steven is finally realizing that there is something else in him another persona there 
and you know giving into that and like you really are dealing with kind of like a dr jekyll and mr hyde scenario a hulk and bruce banner scenario right but in a more supernatural sense right i'm wondering and again this is me without diving too much into uh further moon knight lore and all that because i, I kind of want to be surprised with everyone else as we're watching the episodes is is the multiple personalities is just is that just that you know like you know th this does happen where you know people can have the ability to have two or more personas right and they they go through it and they you know they snap into it snap out of it and all that so is that a more natural occurrence or was something done that kind of uh enabled this other being to take over this body at certain times and to live within one body right with steven who's the main one is it steven or is it mark right mark specter we don't know but you know it, it'll be really really interesting to find out as the series goes on uh it's only going to be six episodes but i love how what they're doing right now it, it feels just like how the hawkeye series felt like it felt like they just filmed one giant movie and they kind of divided it into the episodes that they needed right that's what it feels if it feels like right um but so far it's a lot of and like i said oscar isaac's performance so far is fantastic i mean he is doing an amazing job from what i we can see right now doing the dual roles right i mean we only saw the mark specter role within the reflections of the mirror i would love to see how that plays out in real life right um but the steven character is a trip and i thought i was going to get tired of it like really quick but i felt i found myself loving it more and more the more i saw it um, so yeah, so that's the episode right there. So again, would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. And and I mean, it's only one episode. Um, you don't really, with these shows, you never really get a sense of how this series pans out after watch until after watching like two or three episodes in. But what are your thoughts and feelings on it? You know, like, did you enjoy this episode? Was it confusing to you? Uh, were you like me? Did you end up doing a lot of research online uh, to kind of try to put it all together and all that stuff like that? I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, let me know. And again, like I said, if you enjoy this episode and episodes like this, don't forget hit that like subscribe uh hit that notification bell so that you get notified every time a new episode or video is uh, uploaded onto the youtube channel audio listeners i got your backs i got you covered you know whether you're driving in the car you're taking a crap in the bathroom you're waiting for kids soccer practice to end and you want to hear this episode you could find these episodes on your podcast platform of choice uh just look for the low-key geek channel there and download the episodes from there so that being said that's the end of this episode looking forward to speaking with all of you again next week when episode two drops so until then stay cool stay classy stay safe and i'll catch y'all next time all right peace